0: You're listening to episode 45 of the Marketer's Mindset with Brian Burkhardt. Welcome back to The Marketer's Mindset, the podcast where we talk about how to create and sustain a powerful mindset to help you build a successful online business and lead a happy and abundant life. Guys and girls, I am super excited to be talking to today's guest. He started his sales career at the age of 15 by answering an ad in a local paper for a telemarketing position. And in just three weeks, he became the company's top salesperson. By the time he was 16 years old, he knew that all he wanted to do was sell, so he dropped out of high school to pursue his dreams and started working as a cold caller for a local stock brokerage company, in which he became one of the top lead generators at the firm in just under a month. This highly ambitious youngster cold called for the next two years straight because he was too young to take his Series 7 and 63 exams, which are required to sell stock. So shortly after his 18th birthday, he took and passed the exams and spent the next few years becoming one of the most skilled closers in the stock business. After the recession of the early 2000s, the company decided to move into the mortgage business. He struggled at first, but eventually, once again, became the top producing salesperson at his firm. By the youthful age of 24, he had become one of the most well-known phone salespeople in the industry deciding to break away from the telephone sales and wanting to learn how to sell in person he made another career pivot and walked in cold to a local car dealership asked for a job and got it on the spot in an industry where coffee is for closers he was also told that he had three days to sell a car and if he didn't he'd be fired using his sales skills he already developed he managed to sell four cars in his first day, breaking the record of three, which had stood for 10 years. As a true entrepreneur, always growing and taking on new challenges, this maverick left the car business to start publishing and selling information online. If you are no stranger to the Warrior Forum or Warrior Plus, then you will know today's guest. Over the last five years, he and his business partner have gotten 38 product of the day awards in a row and were nominated twice for product of the year. He's the founder of Leadloop.net, a company that helps medium sized businesses generate qualified prospects and close more deals. In March of 2017, he created the results based sales system to help salespeople fill their pipelines and close more deals by providing their prospects with the desired result before asking for the order. To date, results-based selling has helped over 1,000 salespeople and entrepreneurs generate more leads and close more deals. And through his seminar trainings and live streams, he has helped over 100,000 salespeople, entrepreneurs, including high school and college students, since 2007. Please welcome the master salesman, diehard Islanders hockey fan, and fishing fanatic, Kenny Cannon, to the show. Kenny.
1: I'm here, man. Thanks for having me. That was some intro. I like that guy. Did you like it?
0: He's pretty cool. I think I need need to get him on the show next. (laughs) (laughs) I loved uh, researching you. I'm familiar with your products. I've bought uh, uh, yours and Cameron's products, a few of them, uh, especially the offline ones. And then I got your most recent one. And I got to tell you, it's it's solid stuff. Uh, Your information is great. Uh, The stuff works and you guys just have a no-nonsense approach. So I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to this conversation today,
1: well, thanks man. I am too and that that's part of the you know the key to my success pretty much my whole life. It's you have to deliver on both ends, but I believe the sales side is more important, so that doesn't mean that product has to, it can be bad because it can it has to be great if product is bad, you end up getting in trouble, like all of my stock buddies did um, right. but if sales is the most important thing because if you don't have sales then you don't have anyone to serve, and if you don't have anyone to serve, there's no point in creating anything to serve them with so. Exactly.
0: No, it's, it's, so and it's 39
1: important. in a row because we just got this one.
0: <laughs> oh, congrats. That's all right. Congrats. No. That's awesome. and, and in a row, that's amazing, bud. Cause there's so yeah. many launches out there. I mean, that's, you got to have good stuff to, to get that.
1: Well, you got to have both sides of it. You got to have good stuff and you got to have a good, you, you got to have a good sales process. And that's really the key. And, and, you know, I like the guys at warrior plus, I know Shane personally, Mike's a good guy. It comes down to numbers for the most part. You know, they do look at the product and make sure it's good. But at the end of the day, if the numbers aren't there, the numbers aren't there. So again, it comes down to, is the product converting? Is it selling? Are people buying it? And that's really what what it is. So sales, again, most important thing. Doesn't mean you can create garbage. You can't. You got to create greatness all the time, but you got to be able to sell it as well.
0: Now, you had a great, I mean, a start. It's amazing looking at this. I didn't know that you started in sales at the age of 15. I mean, that's pretty... Mm -hmm pretty crazy did you grow up or come from an entrepreneurial background
1: uh no to be honest with you i never wanted to be an entrepreneur and i still don't today i mean that's not yeah i don't really even consider myself i mean i own businesses so i guess i kind of by definition i am but i'm a salesman that's it i sell stuff and uh, i'm just lucky that that's the number one thing that determines whether a business is going to be successful or not uh as far as the sales things go no no there's nobody in my family that's an entrepreneur in business or anything like that um I saw the ad. It said unlimited income potential, no experience wanted. And I was like, all right, whatever.
0: So was it natural? I can explain
1: thing? it. What, what was that?
0: Was it natural to you to come to the sales or did you struggle a lot at first and have a mentor that kind of took you under his wing or how did it go? Well, no,
1: well, everyone's a natural salesman. That's number one. Number two, no, it wasn't natural. The transition between the natural salesperson that's built into everybody and the business salesperson that's not – was hard. It took a thousand calls or so for me to break through that, but that was three days. I mean, the, you know, the internet people are like, "Oh, a thousand calls. That's going to take me six months." Yeah, on the in the internet world, in the real world, that's two days of full time work or three or four days of part time work. You're on an auto dialer. You're running through, and if you don't do four or five hundred calls a day, you get fired. So it was two or three days. I struggled with the pitch like everybody did, but then all of a sudden, I just hit it. And I got it. And I started to learn, you know, when I got out of that business and I got into a real company, I started to learn things like tonality and pace and future pacing people and the psychology behind it and why people buy stuff. And that's really when I started to take off.
0: Yeah. That stuff's interesting. That's what I love on there. What did you learn in there? What What was some of the psychology things that we could share and that someone that needs to do, you know, maybe they're doing consulting and they do a lot of phone appointments to get clients stuff. What's some of the things you could share that would help them with tonality or pacing and, and getting well, them. One
1: of the biggest things, one of the biggest things, number one, is that you always focus on the result that the client wants as opposed to the thing that they're getting. Chet Holmes, you just talk about this all the time. The benefit of the thing, right? Well, the benefit of the benefit. So I tell people I, I sell SEO all the time. I know nothing about SEO. When I sell it, I don't talk, I don't mention Google. I don't mention ranking websites. And all I say is, listen, I'm going to get more people through that door to put money in that register. How I do that doesn't matter, but I'm going to do it. And then I just give it to an SEO company and they provide the service and I can take a little cut of it. So the point is you have to sell the the, the result that they want. That's number one. Number two, you always sell based on experience and status. Meaning if I'm going to sell a car to someone, I'm not going to say, I might mention air conditioning, power windows, power doors, right? But what I'm going to really harp on is. Let me ask you a question. What is your neighbor gonna think when you pull up in a brand new car? See, now I'm getting them like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting them, I'm, I'm putting them in the experience of ownership and the status level raise that it brings them when they buy a new car. We are in a status-driven world. That's why Facebook is so popular. Instagram is so popular. That's why a couple can be at each other's throat ready to kill each other. And when it's selfie time, they act like they're the best couple in the world because they're showing it off on Facebook. We need to improve our statuses all the time. So if you can incorporate that into your sales thing, your closing ratio is going to go through the roof. That's the only reason why people buy stuff, no matter what it is. Either status or experience. That's it. They're trying to increase their status in life or experience in life. That's from a pack of gum to a house. That's the only reason why people buy stuff. Those are the yeah. only two reasons.
0: And, and it doesn't matter big or small purchases. Just like you said, from a pack of gum to a house, um, you know, add more zeros to the end of it. It's still the same psychology.
1: The sale. That's a great way to put it. The sale. The product doesn't matter. And saying that people will usually come back and they'll be like, oh, so that means you're telling me to sell garbage. No, what I mean is that you sell a pack of gum the same way you sell a house. Now it may take longer to sell a house, but in order to sell a pack of gum, you need to find someone who wants a pack of gum. Number one, number two, they can afford it. Number three, they can make a decision right now. They have the authority to say yes or no, to sell a house. You need someone who wants to sell, buy a house. They have the authority to buy a house and they have the ability to make a payment. So those three things are still there. They're looking to improve their status and experience in life. Whether that's because their breath smells bad and they want a pack of gum or because they want to have a bigger house to show off to their friends or they have a bigger family or whatever it is, they're all looking for the same thing. They're using a different product to get there, but the process they go through is exactly the same. Buying a pack of gum is faster because it's a no-thought process purchase, but in the back of their mind, they're going through the same process.
0: So, Do you think people just overthink the sales process and make it more complicated? Why why do so many people struggle?
1: Are you asking about salespeople or people that are buying stuff?
0: No, no, salespeople. Why do they struggle so much? Like, you know, they dread to pick up the phone. Um, you know, they don't want to talk to somebody. You know, they got all these different fears. But what you just explained there, if you—if if people just understand the process and what the end result is. And what I love about you, Kenny, is you you—you—you you know how to break things down into the simple form. So it makes it nice and easy. But what, what holds people back if that's basically what the goal is? Why, why are they struggling so much?
1: Well, they're struggling. Number one, the number one reason why they're struggling is because they're not picking up the phone and dialing it. That's the number one reason why, or, or that, and then I'm being theoretical, right? It could be knocking on a door. It could be emailing, whatever the process is. They're not prospecting. That's the number one reason. Their pipeline is dry. All right. And the reason why their pipeline is dry and they're not willing to pick up the phone and dial it is because they're deathly afraid of rejection. The reason why they're deathly afraid of rejection again is because we live in a status driven world and they feel like when they get smacked in the face, their status gets knocked down and the other guy's status is higher than theirs. And that's uncomfortable. See, for me, I can call a plumber, and I've had this happen all the time, right? I call a plumber. I cold call the guy. He's like, get a real job. I'm like, dude, I make your yearly salary in a month, bro. I mean, stop. You know what I mean? You chose to work in, in sewage all day. I'm sitting in my living room. I'm going fishing in an hour. Okay, so stop. So I, I don't get bothered by the status stuff, but that's the reason why people get, af- get afraid of it. Because they feel like the $10 an hour telemarketer when they're sitting in their home cold calling SEO or web design or whatever else. And that lowers their status and they get depressed about it. So they just hang up the phone and they stop doing it.
0: That's a good point there. I never thought about that, that they, they look at the status of what they're doing. So basically what they're doing is they're looking down on sales and it's just it, it's holding them back. They're looking at it as a, a, I don't know if you want to call it dirty, maybe, like a used car sales type of thing. Right. Instead of They're looking, looking down on the highest
1: paid profession in the world.
0: Right. And I mean, nothing, we kind of talked offline before on this. And like you said, nothing happens until you get that sale going and you've got to fill up that pipeline. So you need to get selling appointments and then you need to take those appointments and turn those into sales by selling. So, right.
1: And, and I hate to say this, but, um, you know, five years from now, maybe 10 years, if some people are lucky, the only thing we're going to have is salespeople, doctors, and police officers. So unless you want to carry a Glock 19 or you want to go study medicine, they learn how to sell stuff. Because if you think you're going to be manufacturing stuff in the United States in Wisconsin in 2030, it's not going to happen.
0: Right. No, I agree. Everybody's got to, they they totally need to switch how they're thinking of business and making a living. It's just going to change so much. Now, did you always have this confidence when you started out with the, the calling or was this something you developed or did you just have that attitude that, Hey, I can learn this. I don't think it's a bad profession, and uh, I don't care if people say no to me.
1: Well, uh, first of all, I'm not a confident person, <laughs> and that drives really? me crazy if people say that. Yeah, um, and it's not your fault. Everybody says it, but I believe – I'm going to steal a little Tony Robbins stuff here. I believe that competence is confidence. So I'm confident when I'm talking about selling stuff because I know it. But if we brought <laughs> you a baseball conversation, I'd sound like a moron. I don't know anything about baseball, so – I am not competent in that, so I wouldn't be able to talk about it. But when we talk about sales and growing businesses, I know that so well that I come off as very confident because I know a lot about it. Now, when it comes to the telephone and sales and making money and increasing your income and all that stuff, that's just a drive to win. It's not really about the money. It's about the drive to win. So we did, I was telling you offline. We did a webinar today, the day of this recording last night at midnight. Me and my partner came up with that idea to do that. And the only reason why we came up with the idea to do that is because I posted on Facebook and you can go back and because me and your friends on Facebook, you can look at this. I posted on Facebook the other day, a screenshot of my stats. And I said, I'm the best at what I do and I'm not hiding it anymore. And then somebody posted a screenshot of their webinar stats that showed $17,000 in one day. So I said, okay, now we're doing a webinar tomorrow. And we're going to beat that. We did 35 in an hour and a half. The That's only reason fantastic. why I, did, I don't care about the money. I did it because right. I wanted to show that guy who really is the best at what they do? It's a drive to win. I played hockey my whole life. When we lost, I broke my stick. I threw water bottles. I punched glass. I, it wasn't because I had a temper problem. Everybody thought that's what it was, but it was because I just could not stand losing.
0: So it's a competitive drive in you.
1: It's, that's all it is. And I'm again, I'm, I'm lucky because I applied that somehow, some way. I, I found a way to apply that to an income stream. But the income stream, honestly, is really just a byproduct of my competitive I want to win, and I want to destroy everybody in my path.
0: Now, is that something somebody can acquire? I mean, maybe not to your level, but if someone's more timid and afraid of doing sales, do you think they can kind of gain that confidence?
1: Well, I think again, you know, I sound really harsh in this interview right now. That's okay, though. It's no,
0: I want to. I, I want to know your opinion. I mean, but here's the thing:
1: I I truly believe that everybody has that in them. And I know that sounds crazy, but I I believe that everybody has that drive to win and that drive to be competitive and that drive to be right because, you know, here's a great example, right? You come to someone and you're like, oh, I'm not a salesperson. I can't sell anything. I'm so afraid of that. I'm never going to do it. And let's say we we rewind to last October and then you say to them, well, you don't want to sell anything. I get it. What do you think of Hillary Clinton or what do you think of Donald Trump? And all of a sudden, boom, he's an idiot. He hates these people and they're selling you on something. Right. It's so true. Right? So it's not necessary that everybody has that drive to influence other people to get them on their side, but they can't make the transition to the business world. See that's the difference. My grandmother's not a saleswoman. She's 80 years old. She's 75 years old. She can barely walk. She has two knee replacements. All this stuff. She's the last person you can think of a salesman. But if she has a book that she knows I'd like, or my sister would like, or whatever, got to read this book. Buy it on Amazon. Here's the link. I'll send it to you. I'll email. She becomes a salesperson, right? But she can never transition that into a into a cubicle with a phone and a headset. It's not that we don't have the ability. It's that we have we can't. We have a very hard time transitioning it. Because we feel that when we get rejected, our status gets lower. And she, know, my grandmother knows I'm not going to reject her. I'm not going to say, get out of here and go, you know, sew something. Like, I'm not going to throw her out the door, you know what I mean? But right. in a business world, that happens. And people get beat up and, and they don't like that.
0: It's like that uh, – did you hear that one book? Uh, Andrea Wentz, I think her name is, or Waltz, uh, her and her husband wrote a book and I think they co-authored it. It was Go for No. I think it was more launched towards network marketing people that are out there and stuff like that. But that was basically the concept was not to be afraid of the no and to go for the no. And I think that's what you brought up is just, it's so important that people would just get over that. I don't know if you want to call it ego or whatever, just that worried about other people rejecting them when, when they're saying, no, it's not a personal thing most of the time. You know what I'm saying? They're not saying it because they hate you. They just, you know, the the standard thing, there's not enough information. You didn't hit their hotspots. There's there's more reasons it's not you personally that they're saying no to most of the time.
1: Right. Would you I live for the no. I agree I agree 100%. I, I, I live for the no because the only way to get to a true yes is through a no. Okay? I'm going to give a very good example that everyone's going to understand. If you walk into a bar and you're a single guy, you're 25 years old, and you walk up to a girl and you say, hey, let's go home. She says yes. It's not a girl you want to marry. Right? Right. Okay, so if I call someone, if I call a lawyer and I'm like, hey, the price of the product is 1500 bucks," he's like, sign me up. That's not a client I want because he's saying that to everybody, right. right? I want the guy who says no to me 50 times, and I got to rebut him, and I got to box him up, and I got to close him, rebut, and box, and close, and all over. And then I gotta, he hangs up on me, and I got to call him back, and he hangs up, and then I got to fly to his office. I want that guy because nobody's getting through to him, right? Everybody else is giving up way before I do. So if I can close that guy, I have a client for life. If I close the other guy, something it's going to be bad. He's going to call me five times a day. He's going to refund. Something's going to happen. But if I can get through to the one guy that says no to everybody else, I have a client forever. As long as I treat him right, obviously.
0: Now, do you think it's the, your mindset that you treat it more as a game? Is that why you're able to, to go for those no's and not let them affect you and say, hey, bring on 50, bring on 100. I don't care.
1: No, I think it's skill.
0: Really? Okay.
1: Honestly, yeah, I think it's skill. Uh, the easiest way to get to yes is through a no. Right,
0: but it's most just, people it, mentally hold themselves back from, from going through that process of 50 times. You know what I mean?
1: Right, but I don't think that's a mindset issue. I mean, maybe. I think that's a They don't know what to say when the person says no. Oh, uh, okay. That's the problem. So if somebody says, and then they also don't know the difference between prospecting and selling stuff either. That's another problem we could talk about. But if somebody says no, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not doing SEO right now because I'm focusing on Facebook ads, right? Let's say that's their, that's their objection. If they say no, and they give me that reason and I say, okay, Brian, so basically what you're telling me is just so we're on the same page. If I could do everything that I promised here at the same exact price, get you the same amount of leads, the same amount of profit in your pocket. Everything is the same. The only difference is we stay from, stay away from SEO. We do a hundred percent Facebook ads. You'll do the deal right now. Is that right? Sure. I can't get there unless he says no. Yeah. Right. Now the other thing too, is they don't know the difference between prospecting and selling. If somebody says to you, they don't have the money, that's a prospecting issue, not a sales issue. If somebody says, I got to talk to my partner, that's your fault for not understanding that both of them have to be there to make a decision when you, when you go to the appointment. So a lot of the stuff that people hear, they come to me all the time. They're like, how do I get over this? It's not a sales problem. It's a prospecting problem that most people have. I love
0: it. That's key. That's so key. And so who's ever listening here, if you're a consultant or you deal with offline clients, that was a huge distinction there that Kenny made. And you, you need to work on if you're getting those rebuttals or those um, objections, you need to work then on going through your prospecting, not your sales process. Yeah. So that that's, that's key there. Now, almost, almost we,
1: every objection that you hear is a prospecting one. It's usually not a sales one.
0: That's the first time I've ever heard that. I love that. I never thought of it that way.
1: Yeah. Like I got to talk to my wife. That's a prospecting issue because the wife should be there to make the decision with the husband. I don't have the money. Well, if you're selling a $2,000 a month SEO package to a Chinese restaurant down the road, that probably makes five grand a month total. You're an idiot. You're prospecting wrong. And that's just the way it is. You got to sell that to a a company that makes 50, a hundred grand a month. Right? So it's that it all comes down to that. If you're selling SEO to someone who already has it and they're happy with it and you know that and you're still trying to sell it to them, that's a prospecting issue. That's your fault.
0: Right. No, that's so true. Now, how important would you say mindset is to one success? Just in in general, in their business, not just specifically selling, but in their business and in life?
1: Well, as far as I, I I think mindset is the biggest threat to our society today.
0: And what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I mean, the only reason why we have people rioting in the streets and throwing glass through windows and killing each other on the road is because they have the wrong mindset. So true. Because people are, people are dying to be the victim because that's the easier way to live.
0: How did we get there? I mean, it it just seems like there's so much of it now that, I mean…
1: I think a lot of it has to do again with, you know, I hate to keep bringing this up, but I think a lot of it has to do with Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff because it's attention seeking. You know, a lot of it is technology. P- Listen, people know if I go out right now in my Jeep Wrangler and I drive across somebody's lawn and a cop pulls me over and I pull out my phone and I go, "I have my rights. You can't stop me. Get," it, and I record that whole thing and live stream it. I'm going to be on the news. I'm going to be on Drudge Report. I'm going to be all over the place. I'm an innocent celebrity, and that's what everybody – they want the status. It goes back to the same thing. They want the high status. They want to be known by everybody. They want to be the rock star. Even if it's for 10 minutes, they want to be the rock star. So they throw glass through a window. They protest. They run people over with cars because that gets their name in the headlines. Even if it's for a little bit and it ruins their whole life, it gets them in the headlines for a little bit. But it still comes from a place of victimhood, and there are real victims out there. I'm not playing. I'm not saying there's not, but by definition, a victim is a loser. Yeah, and you can't live that and way. It's,
0: no, you you can't, and it can be turned around, but it changes. You need to change your mindset to do that. Right now, there's a lot of controversy. I, I hear a lot, and I, I saw a Mike Rowe video on this. What is your thoughts on on Yeah, Mike's Mike's cool man. What are your thoughts? I don't know if you saw this video, but when he talked about not following your passion, do you 100%, think someone
1: 100 percent so with him? It's the worst advice you you can ever get. It is by far the worst advice you can ever get. Really? Yes. Yes. You do not follow passion. You follow money. Period.
0: So what would someone do that... um... Now, sometimes you can follow your passion where there's still an ability to make money.
1: Not enough. So, I mean... Not enough. Not Not enough, enough. huh? Nope, never. Here's why. If you're not doing something that other people hate, you're always going to be broke. I mean, g- give me an example of of one that is not just true, right? Amazon. Everyone hates waiting on lines in Walmart. Right. That's why Amazon's successful. Everybody hates having products that that get delivered to them that come home and they suck. Well, Amazon is very successful because they implemented the review system that gave people trust in their purchase, right? Everybody right. hates riding in taxi cabs. Uber is very successful because they focus on something that everybody hated. So if you focus on things that everybody loves. You're not, you know, you're not going to be where you want to be financially. And I don't think people can survive on 150, 250 grand a year. It's impossible, especially in New York where I live. It's impossible. You can't do that. So like I love to fish. That's my passion in life. That's what I love to do. Well, the best guide in Montauk, his name is Bill Wetzel. The best guide in Montauk probably makes 100 grand a year. And he sleeps in a truck and, and he doesn't see his family. I mean, he's a great guy and he's great at fishing. He's following his passion, but he's pretty much broke and he lives out of a truck. It's a miserable life. I decide to do something that I don't hate it, but I don't wake up saying, yay, I get to cold call all day. Like, I, you know, I don't do that. But I get to do something that is extremely profitable, makes me a ton of money, and I can do it for five or six hours a day, and I can go fishing whenever I want, guilt-free. Because I'm doing something that other people hate, that I'm really good at, that puts a lot of money in my pocket, and it frees me up to do my passion whenever I want for free.
0: Now, do you think you could have taken the fishing passion and turned it into like info product and, and done well?
1: No. the like only coaching? No, the only time that ever happens is if you it, – it's a, it's a parenting thing, really, in my opinion. And the only time you can really turn your passion into profit, like a serious profit-driven thing, is if your parents start you off when you're a toddler. That's the only time it can ever happen, and I've seen it. I have friends that did it, so I've seen it happen, but it's very, very rare, and basically what I'm talking about is like the guy who makes it to the NHL. You're not making it to the NHL if you start at 16. You're making it to the NHL, though, if your parents smash you in the head when you're five, and all you do is shoot pucks and skate all day. Right. Maybe you won't make it, but you have a chance, right? But those are the only guys that actually follow their passion and make a really good living doing it. The other people are either lying to you or trying to sell something to you.
0: I love it. You don't hear that opinion. And that's why I wanted to bring that up because it's so controversial. You hear all these memes and all this stuff about follow your passion, follow your passion, and then Mike Rowe comes out saying that and yeah. and then it just starts up a whole conversation on it. So
1: Yeah, well Mike's right. And and you know, the people that say that are wrong. But I think that a lot of times people a lot of times people will say that and the other side of the conversation will take it the wrong way. I don't believe for a second that when Tony Robbins says, you have to follow your passion, he thinks that the guy or girl who is passionate about pumpkins should start a pumpkin blog. I don't believe that at all. What I believe that a guy like him is saying is you need to do something that's profitable. That's going to let you survive, but you have to bring your passion for life and helping other people and living a successful life to whatever vehicle, is available to you that you're good at. And I think you a guy just, like Mike Rowe would agree with that.
0: No, you just nailed it right there, buddy. That's that's the main thing, and that's what I've thought about when I was thinking about this passion debate, if you want to call it. The main thing is, what you just nailed, I think, is exactly what Tony means about it. Bring your passion to serve others in whatever you're doing. Because right. Mike Rowe will talk about it. He says, I, I've met people that do sewers for a living, they didn't go into it because they love sewers, but they had a passion to help people that were maybe they started a 24-hour service because they knew, hey, this is something that's that really needs to be taken care of. And if I can provide this, and nobody else is doing things after hours, I'm going to serve these people. But I'm doing it through sewer. And I think so many people get caught up; they want that that pretty-looking job or that fancy-looking job or that title that they can go out to a party and say, "Oh, I'm a you know own a mortgage company or." whatever it is, I'm, you know, I'm on Wall Street, something that has a big name, I'm a lawyer. But if they went out and just followed their passion as far as serving others, you could do it digging ditches or plumbing or whatever it may be. So I, I think you nailed it right there. I think that's an important point that needs to be put across when you, you discuss following someone's passion.
1: Right, and I also don't understand, somehow we lost the passion for being the man of the house and bringing home the money. We lost that, number one. We lost the passion of, of pride in work, doing a good job, whatever the job is, whether you're building a fence or you're running a company, whatever it is, in the '50, '60, '70, we had that. I wasn't alive then, but my parents tell me we had it. I don't know. They could be lying. But back then, we had it. Now, it's like people are just like, oh, you know, I just want to do what I like, so I'm going to go get a gender study degree. And then they complain when they don't make any money. Yep. I'm like, listen, you're, you know, stupid. You got you got to follow the money pa- passion again unless you're bringing your passion that's a different discussion bring your passion to what you're good at and what's profitable is a different discussion than what I don't want to mention any names but some people who are very popular in the wine business or they used to be say follow your passion and if you like acorn start an acorn blog and you make 60 grand a year and you retire that just doesn't work and right. I don't see anyone really doing it
0: no, it's true. It's, it's just a, it's another thing that people, it, it goes back to what you were saying, Kenny. People want that feel good attitude. So they want to put the perfect picture on Instagram and the perfect post on Facebook and make them look like their life's perfect and stuff. So it goes with the same thing. If someone tells you that and you're like, oh, happy that you can make a million selling acorns and that's what you love. It's fluffy. It makes you feel good. But, but people are afraid to tell them the truth that that's not going to happen.
1: Right. And, I, and I'll also, I mean, I, I could take some fault in that. I'll admit, openly admit that part of that is my fault because, you know, listen, I, I train salespeople and I never train them to lie to people. They're, you don't have to lie, by the way. It's very easy to sell something to somebody without lying. You can mind F them so they could buy from you without lying to them. But I, it's very easy to just sell them what they ask for, right? People are asking for the folly, for the la- laptop lifestyle, living on the beach with the martini and all that stuff. That's what they're begging for. So it's very easy to put a sales video up promoting that and then have people buy it and then give them something completely different. It's easy to do that. It's the wrong thing to do, but it's easy to do. So I think a lot of people are doing that as well, and that, that just feeds it. Because one person on a forum or a blog or whatever sees a sales video like that. And then they go on Quora and answer answer a question, and they say, yeah, follow your passion. That's the best advice. And then that gets repeated on a podcast. And then, But none of these people have ever actually built a business. They've never done anything. They're right. just repeating they just, each other over and over again.
0: Right, and that's the big difference. Yeah. That's, that, that's huge there. Now, like I said before, you said you, you, you don't feel that you're that much of a confident guy. So I'm sure you probably experience this. Everybody does at times where you have – That self-doubt or that, what I like to call like the monkey mind people refer to. You have that negative chatter. And me and a buddy talk about this too. We'll go out to breakfast every now and then. We call it little mastermind meetings where we'll sit and talk about business and and different things. Um, But like sometimes you'll come up with a great idea or you're fired up about something that you're going to launch, promote, whatever it is. You go to sleep. You wake up the next day. You're talking less than 10 hours later or whatever. And all of a sudden self-doubt and stuff comes in. Do you experience that from time to time?
1: Uh, to be honest with you, I experience it every time I do a new project.
0: And how do you deal with it? How do you push past that to get yourself to take action?
1: I don't know. That's a good question. I'll tell you this, though. Every single time I put together a sales video, every time I put together a webinar, every time I do any kind of thing like that, I think it's going to fail every time. Really? I think it's. I thought that sales video that you watched and bought that product, I thought that sales video was going to be terrible. If that converted to 10%, I would have been happy. And the funny thing is, is every time it's 15, 20, 25, every time it works, but I always think it's going to be bad.
0: So what keeps you going then? Why, what, what makes you like uh, the, the thing is, and this is one of the things that I found from, from interviewing people and stuff, and a lot of the successful people, and maybe this is what it is. One of it might be your, your competitive edge, um, how you like competition and stuff. But I found out that the people don't let fear hold them back. They use it as a motivator. So they look at more the fear of loss. If I don't put this out there and I don't get this message out and I don't sell this product, right. they use that fear to motivate them and push them forward instead of using fear of like, well, what are people going to say? Uh, I th- You mentioned earlier before when we talked offline that you thought you maybe you crossed the line on parts of it and stuff like that. So some people will use that to hold them back, but the most successful ones are using that fear to push
1: them forward. Is that what you think you do? Um, no, no, because I wouldn't really describe it as fear. my My mindset and thought process is more along the lines of, okay, what's the worst case scenario? The sales video converts at five or to seven percent, and I still get a seven hundred and fifty to a thousand sales on the product, and I still make ten grand whatever. That's the, that's the worst that could happen. That, that's a, that's a a bad launch, right? If it's a good one, it's 2000 and I make 20 grand. So the same thing on a webinar, right? If the webinar bombs and I do five sales on it, if there's 200 people in the room, okay, it's still five grand, right? I mean, whatever, it's not great. And I always think they're going to be terrible, but that's always the mindset. Like what's the worst that could happen? Even if it's terrible, it's still better than just sitting here and watching Sons of Anarchy for the 18th time, which is great. I mean, I would do that in a second, but, Overfishing? No, not overfishing. But <laughs> sons are not a <laughs> show ever. <laughs> I knew <do> that. <laughs> would but no, that, that's really good. my thought process. Like, you know, the worst that could happen is that it bombs, but you're still going to make a little bit of money from it. And if you don't, you build a list. And if you don't build a list, you build a JV relationship. Something good is going to come out of it. So.
0: What's. Uh... What's one of the biggest challenges you've had to face being an entrepreneur?
1: Being an entrepreneur, everything outside of prospecting, pitching, and closing deals. Really? Okay. I can't provide to save my life. I can't do customer support. Is the worst. If I did customer support, I have a fifty percent refund rate. I'm just bad. Well, at that's it. why you part. That's why you partnered up. So you got that. That. Yeah, that, and I, and I and you know, we hire different. it out a lot too. But I'm just, I, I'm, I'm. A lot of people respect me because I'm straight into the point, but sometimes I get too straight into the point, especially with a $5 buyer who's already on the edge, you know, <laughs> I, right. I just, I can't deal with it. It's, you know,
0: that's, that's going to drive you nuts.
1: Yeah. Well, especially when I get an email at two in the morning, I get a refund request at two in the morning and then two 30, they're telling me that they're going to call the FBI if I don't send them their dollar back from the downsell. I mean, I'm like, you know, listen, first of all, I'm sleeping. Second of all, it's a dollar. Third of all, I'll get to it within 24 hours. like I promised on in the membership area. That kind of stuff drives me crazy. And I can't do that. I can't do that with a $5,000 a month client either. It also drives me crazy. It's not about the money. I just don't like it. I hate it. So again, yeah, but it, I think, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, I, what I was going to say is what you said earlier is that, uh, those $5 people are going to drive you more crazy probably than the 5,000. You probably find it more in the low, low ticket items where you get more of that than you do on the high ticket items, right?
1: Yeah. It's more of the, it's yeah, you're definitely going to get, uh, there's no reason to sell low ticket stuff unless you have a completely scientifically proven model that will absolutely destroy it every time. There's no reason to sell low ticket stuff. You should be selling high ticket stuff for everything that you sell.
0: I agree. I know uh, who was it? I think it's well, I'm trying to think of the marketer's name now. But there's a couple of them out there that that definitely talk about that. The yeah. same thing and it's kind of what we talked about. It's it's adding more zeros to it. You know yeah, and, I and think you know so many people is- are afraid to sell
1: You know what it is too? The problem is when you sell, let's say you have a $17 product, right? I do it on warrior plus because I know everybody there. I know I'm going to get WSO the day. Every time I launch a product, I know all the JV partners and I can just walk in there and I could do 2000 sales whenever I want. I'm not bragging. I just been doing it for so long, right? Here's the problem though. If you have a $17 product and you don't have those relationships and you start to go on Facebook and get traffic or whatever, you have to be so perfect on the Facebook ad, on the landing page, on the thank you page, on the sales page, on the email sequence. If you screw up any one of those, you're going to lose money. But if you have a $2,500 product, you can be average on the ad, below average on the thank you page, average on the sales page, and you're still going to make a killing because you, you, you only need to convert one out of a hundred people to make money or 200 people, 500 people, whatever the numbers work out to be. So that's the thing. If you pay five dollars a person to come to your page, which would be ridiculous, you should you should quit Facebook ads if you're paying five dollars a person. <laughs> but if you're paying five dollars a person just for easy numbers and you convert one out of a hundred at twenty five people, uh, I'm sorry, at, at twenty five hundred, you're still making two grand, and you're a crappy salesman if you can only convert one out of a hundred. Right. But on a seventeen dollar product, if you have three dollars per person coming to your page, you need to convert like one out of three to break even. Right, exactly. So the low-ticket products, everybody thinks that's a good entry point. No one will ever buy a $5,000 thing for me. I'm going to create a $17 thing. It takes more marketing skill to do a $17 thing right than it does a $17,000 thing right.
0: And that's what people don't get. And I no, think that's so important that you send that, is that they, they're afraid of the high-ticket items. They think they have to sell the, the $5 and $7 products. And like you said, you unless you got a killer funnel— that's been tested and proven which is only going to take unless you're taking somebody who's who's done it for you it's going to take money and time to go through and tweak that you're going to be losing money yep.
1: you will <laughs> you lose know? money every time pretty much
0: there's, there's, there's no way on there so no I'm glad you brought that up because that's so important I think a lot of people are afraid of that and I think they need to add big ticket items whether it's their own product that they're creating and don't undersell themselves you know value more of what what they're selling and put a bigger price tag on it, or find products that you can sell or services that are in a higher ticket level.
1: Right. Well, that's a good point. It doesn't have to be your stuff. I mean, if you're going to drive Facebook traffic to it, you probably should be. But it, you, you know, I sell SEO all the time, and I didn't. Even, I don't even know what it, like anchor tags are or anything like that. I don't know any of that stuff, so I just give it to somebody else. But yeah, the best way that I I would suggest if somebody has the money to do it, it's going to cost a lot of money to do this. But if somebody has the money, this is the best way. And this is kind of how I started in the high ticket business. Mm -hmm. Buy a couple other ones. Like if you, if you, I know everybody doesn't have 10 grand laying around, but if you have like three or four, if you have a couple thousand dollars, you can get a hold of high ticket products from other people. Buy a couple of them. And the reason why I suggest that is because when you do buy them, you're going to realize how crappy they are. And you'll be able to make your own, all that fear will go away.
0: And that's, that's, that's so true there. And that's funny because I'm sure you've done that. So you've seen what was out there, right?
1: I actually, no, I cheated a little. I got lucky because I became friends with Mike Same and I had access to all the products that he had access to. So I was able to look inside of big marketers products and I don't want to name anybody's name, but a guy who used to surf with long blonde hair. I went in one of his biggest products and I was like, dude, come on. Like, how do you sell something? Create more products. Like that doesn't even make sense, bro. You can't, it's yeah, ridiculous. And that's when I was like, I could do this and I could do it better. I may not be the the big name and the face and doing the state of the internet address and all that, I may not be that guy, but I know I provide provide better content and I know I could sell it better.
0: And that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, and that's really how either. it started. And that's, that's that's real, too. Like, if you can get access to them, however you can do that, whether you're buying them or you know someone who bought it before in the past or whatever, and just watch what those other people are doing. Most of it is really bad.
0: Yeah, and, and they and they still sell this stuff. It's, yeah. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember when the, when the quote-unquote syndicate was big, and, and their whole thing was 40% refund rates, 60% didn't refund. That was it. That was their game. You know, yeah, they got 40% refund rates, but 60% kept it. So and that, that's and the that mindset. And most of the products out there are pretty terrible. And if people have a fear of creating the $5,000 thing or the $3,000 thing, again, you shouldn't have that fear because most of the stuff is terrible. And I could prove that to you by having you go out and looking at some of it, because once you do, you'll realize that it's garbage for the most part.
0: Now you've had, uh, you've come across and you've interviewed and you've worked with, like you, you mentioned Mil- Mike Same, you've worked with him on a projects and stuff like that. What's, what is one of the best piece of advice you ever got?
1: From like the internet people or? No,
0: just for, yeah, just from working in business, whether it was uh, your days in sales, um, you know, someone mentored you or trained you or, or gave you a piece of advice just throughout your, your career. What's one of the best piece of advice that you got? That's just really helped you from when you got that to where you are today, that's been like a guiding principle or an advice. Or
1: there's, something. there's probably there's two things that'll stick out in my head. The first one is always I said it before: always focus on income. Money is the most important thing in the world. That's number one. Number two: no one to shut up and listen.
0: That's a key one there.
1: Yep, because I and and I'll give you a great example. I was selling phones when I was 15 years old. And I was doing well. I mean, I wasn't killing it, but for a 15 year old, I was killing it. When you right. beat the drug dealers in your school, that's pretty good. Uh, and I was doing oh, that. Oh, that's
0: a good top dog then.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was doing pretty well, but um, I was confident and I was cocky and I thought I was really good. And then I walked into Stratton and I was like, whoa, this is a different game, you know? And I remember sitting down with a guy named Rob. He I worked with him for years after that, but uh, he was my series 24. He was the manager of my little crew. And he had me say the first line of the pitch and he gave me the piece of paper and I was like, Hey, this is Kenny from Stratton out New York. How you doing today? I said it like three or four times. And he's like, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he pointed to the paper and the first word of the script was high. It wasn't, Hey. And he was like, you need to say this word for word. And he pointed around the room and he was like, all these people here, 18, 19, 20, 21, they're all millionaires. And they all said those same exact words you're saying right now. Do not change anything. And at that point I learned to listen and shut up. And just do what I was told.
0: Uh, that's a huge piece of advice there. And I, I've done sales too. And I've, I actually worked for, I don't know. You're how old are you, Kenny? 35. Okay. You're young. There was a, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of his name now. He did, uh, you might, you might've seen it or heard about it, but he did, uh, he was big for tiny classified ads. Oh, he yeah. did a lot of commercials. Um, he was out I'll here play. in Arizona. Don LaPree, that's it. I had the, the I should say, privilege, because I, I don't know how legit some of stuff, but I actually worked for him for probably about nine months. Right. And I got to go in his office, and I'll tell you, that guy was a machine. He would go in there, and he'd put a script out, and he'd give it to like maybe 10 or 15 of us. He goes, guys, I want you to run this. We'd go in his office. He'd sit down. I want you to read it word for word. He had a recorded message of him. So you would get someone on the phone. They had already bought his little ad product or whatever. Now he's upselling, you know, to other bigger packages. And you would get the person on the phone that had already bought a previous product, and then you would play that message for them. And his thing, I'm telling you, Kenny, was like 12 to 15 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd get back, and some people would be gone, obviously. But there would be people that were still on after that long recording. And then you would close him with this pitch that he had. And then he would come out maybe three hours later. Guys, guys, I, I've, I've changed some stuff. And he was always testing. But his key was read it as I wrote it. Read it verbatim. Don't change a high to a hey, like you said, or don't add an extra word that's not there. Read it how it's written because this is what works.
1: Did he ever give you any advice on why they, why that's so important? Because people always seem to have a problem with that. Like when I tell them that they need to do that, I always get resistance.
0: No, I didn't get the, we didn't really get, it was kind of like sit down. There's like 10, 15. It wasn't more one-on-one. I wish I could have got there and picked more of his brain, right. but it was just kind of neat seeing behind the scenes there. But no, share, share what your thoughts are. I, on
1: I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know his motivation behind it. And I don't really know the motivation behind it of the companies that I worked at, but the motivation behind it with when I train people is that, the words in a pitch really don't matter all that much. They are important, but the way that you say the words is so much more important than the actual. Hey and hi is not going to make a difference, okay? Right. But here's here's the key, though. If I have 20 people that I'm working with and I'm training them on a – on a one, every pitch that I have is one page, So and, and not including rebuttals. So if you have a one-page script and I have 20 people, and each one of them, one of them saying hey, one of them saying hi, one of them saying hello, right? And then I have another guy saying something else. And then as we get down the script, they're all intro- like putting in their own little words here and there all the way throughout the whole thing. I don't have a uniform sample and I can't figure out what the problem is because they're all saying different things. So if I have everyone saying the same thing and everyone's getting hung up on it, at the same spot, I know there's a problem with that line and I can fix it. But if everyone's saying different stuff and they're all getting hung up on it at different spots, I don't know what the problem is. It could be their tone. It could be their pace. It could be the words. Right. It could be the no, list. It could be a number of different things. No.
0: Yeah, because that's a constant. That's something that you can control right. and say, hey, if you say it this way, like you said, all right, now read it to me and I can say, oh, okay, your inflection on that word was wrong. You went too high on that. You dropped your tone there, which is a negative. You know what I mean? You can, yeah. you can really do it. But I, I think I think that's the only purpose is to get the consistency because, one, they probably tested it out and it's made sales. And it probably converted good. So they know that what they're saying or however they're saying is do it. Now I can teach you to say, okay, go up on this word, pause at this one, say this slower or whatever. Mm -hmm. But everybody's saying the same words. And like you said, it's not becoming a hundred different scripts now where you can't regulate it or control it or or get consistent results.
1: Right. And the other thing too is when when you open up a phone call, I'm just like randomly talking now. When you open up a phone call, always (laughs) never ask how you doing. The question that you ask when you open up a phone call on the first line is, can you hear me okay? The reason why is because if you ask how you doing, it's only going to start the conversation one of two ways. It's either going to be a lie or it's going to be negative because 99% of people are miserable. So if you talk to a plumber who's making 60 grand a year, whose wife probably hates him, his kids hate him, they're probably half on drugs. He calls you up. He says, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. He's lying to you. You don't want to start a relationship off on a lie. If he tells you the truth and he says, my wife hates me, my kids are hooked on heroin, and they're in the hospital, now you have a problem. So I always just say, hey, this is Kenny from XYZ Marketing Company out in New York. Can you hear me okay? What is he going to say? Yes. And I move through. Number two, never ask for permission. So when you're talking to someone, never say, can I have two minutes of your time? Never say it's only going to be 60 seconds. Go. If he picks up the phone, he has two minutes to talk to you.
0: So true. Because I I know I don't pick up the phone unless I know who it is. So if I'm picking it up. I've got time for whoever it is. So yeah. And and that's what people
1: do. They say, again, it's, it comes from a point of weakness and I know people are selling sales training programs that cater to what people want. And it goes back to the same thing we talked about before with passion and all that stuff. People want the, the, the easier way, but it just doesn't work. So they, they try to soften it up because they're so afraid of rejection where they say things like, you know, if I, if you give me 60 seconds, I promise not to go over the time limit and, I've never asked for permission in my life. When I ask people questions, I don't say, I, "You have time? I have a couple of questions for you. Couple of quick questions, see if it would be a good fit." Question one, two, three, and I'm boom, boom, boom! I'm right through it. I don't, I don't mess around with asking permission for anything. I just go, and I think that. Yeah, if, but don't you think? Go ahead. Sorry.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, finish. What you no, I was,
1: about. I was just gonna say, I think that when you ask permission, it comes from a point of weakness, and I go back to the original thing that we were talking about, which is experience and status in that conversation, my status level has to be above his. If it drops below his, I can't recover from that and I lose.
0: I agree. And that's what I was going to say. I think it comes from control. You need to control the situation. If you're asking all the time permission and being, like you said, you're on the weaker end, you don't have control of the conversation.
1: Right. Like I look at it like if a plumber comes to my house to fix my toilet, He's not going to say, do you have three minutes so I can look at you? Like, he's coming here. My my place is flooded, right? He's going to come and do it. He's the ex. I'm not going to question him. He's the guy. Like, whatever he says goes. And I need to create that same type of atmosphere with the things – with the words that I use, the way that I use the words, and the pace at which I speak to control that conversation and always make sure that I am positioned above him in, the like, the status level. I don't want to come off as arrogant or – way above him there has to be a connection but i don't want to come off beneath him or at his level either like if i want to invest in real estate i don't do that but if i want to invest in real estate and this is a terrible example but donald trump calls me and he's like yeah i heard you wanted to like there's no connection he's too big into the game right so that's too high of a status jump for me but if i wanted to invest in real estate being a business person if a high school kid calls me who knows nothing about business at all and is broke He's below me, even though I know nothing about real estate, but if the local real estate guy who buys and sells houses, maybe two or three a month, if he calls me, he's just above my level and I can create that. He can create that connection with me and I could say, okay, that step is reachable for me and I can work with this guy. So if the step is too big, you lose it. If it's below you, you definitely lose it. If it's at your level, they don't need you. So you have to make sure you stay one step above wherever they are. That's another reason why people, everybody says they have to become the expert. You just got to be better than the people you're teaching or talking to. You yeah. you don't have to be the expert at anything. I'm not an expert at anything. I'm just better than most people, at at two things, prospecting and selling stuff. That's it. Everything else I'm terrible at.
0: But if you know enough, like you said, you're you're, you're always going to be probably ahead of somebody. Right. So at that point, you are the authority. Right. Because you do know a little bit more,
1: you got to find that person or, or that that group right. that that audience, really.
0: But then it goes back to what you said: you're prospecting. So if you're not hitting that audience, then you're not prospecting right.
1: Well, prospecting. I, listen, eighty percent of my day is prospecting, in, in one way, shape, or form. Eighty percent of my day, I'm prospecting. So it's not always cold calling people or whatever. Most of the time, it's actually not that, believe it or not. Um, Most of the time, it's, okay, you know, let me make a list of 20 potential JV partners. And let me reach out to them and see if I can put something together on an email or maybe we could do a webinar together whatever. Sometimes it's cold calling, right? Sometimes it's calling a chamber of commerce and seeing if I can get a connection with them so I can get some of the the deals for whatever it is. I'm trying to bring in new business. I'm trying to fill up a pipeline all the time. And that's the main focus, and it should be of every business. Nothing else really matters, but the pipeline is the only thing that matters. If you prospect effectively, sales will come naturally.
0: And I love that. You you mentioned that earlier. I think it was kind of at the beginning or, or offline on that, that how important it was to prospecting and getting the right, right audience that you're speaking to. What what advice would you give someone, Kenny, that uh, wants to reach out, like, for example, to maybe someone that's an influencer or maybe they're trying to connect and maybe get a JV partner what would you say as advice on how they could approach that whether it's in an email or calling somebody something what would be a good approach that
1: they could go and connect with a person First of that? all what industry are they in hypothetically
0: Hypothetically uh well you know these people are uh offline marketings or online marketers so they're going to they're going to be contacting somebody in their industry say they want to partner with somebody that has a Okay a so they so they're
1: basically they're selling they information
0: give. Uh let's say let's just say they're selling uh, services you you you're good at that so let's say there's someone who has offline clients and they sell social media or seo or something like okay, that okay and
1: they're trying to find a jv That's partner right. with a chamber of commerce or a local organization they can get deals from
0: right they have somebody that has that audience that they're trying to get to and they need to
1: connect with that individual okay. what would be an hey, approach? okay here's why i'm asking those questions it depends on no i appreciate if, if I am going, let's say, let's use this example. If I'm looking for a JV partner in the internet marketing space to do a webinar, I am going to make a phone call to that guy because nobody else is doing that. Everyone else is sending emails, right? If I'm looking to connect with a lawyer, I'm going to visit him. Why? Because everyone else is doing phone calls and emails, right? If I find an industry like a doctor where everybody's doing phone calls and visiting, but nobody's emailing, I'm going to send them an email. I'm going to send them something through the mail. So... The whole point of connecting with people, step number one, is getting in front of them. The way you get in front of them is you do do it differently than everybody else. So if everyone's sending emails, you call. If everyone's calling, you visit. If everyone's visiting, you do something else. You call, you email, or whatever. The next thing you want to do is you just want to open up the conversation with, I know we don't know. Say the obvious. I know we don't know each other. I know we have no history. But I feel like if we actually came together and put something together, we could work great together and create something that our audiences will both love. That's pretty much my word-for-word word script on a JV call.
0: Excellent. And then just the conversation goes from there?
1: Right. And you have to learn – I let me word this carefully. You have, to, you have to be able to present things in a way that sometimes might not be the way they really are. Did you, did, you, did you get that or no?
0: Right. I know what you're saying. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. So let me give you an example. When I sold cars, the first day I sold cars, right? Day number one sold four cars the first day. Guy walks in and I don't remember the exact conversation that we were having, but one of the things that I said to him was I said, you know, um, I'm able to get you these prices in this deal on this car because I am one of the largest salespeople in this area. So I'm able to get that, you know, this deal and nobody else is really able to get that, that I know of. Now I didn't say to him, this would be a lie. I didn't say I'm the biggest sales, I'm the number one salesman in New York, number one salesman in the country. I said my area. Now, in that specific instance, my area, I meant my desk, right? So I'm creating the image of me being this massive thing when really it's my first day and I haven't even sold a car yet. So I'm doing the same thing with a JV partner. I'm saying things like that our audiences will both love. Well, my audience could be three people. It could be my family. Right. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) saying, see, here's the mistake people make. They'll say, I have a list of 10,000 people when they have a list of 500 people, right? Or they have they scrape it off Google. They they just outright lie. Right. I just say I want to create. I want to come together with you and create something that both of our audiences will love. That could be wh- whoever. Could be my Facebook friends. Could be anybody. So there has there's never a win win. Everybody always somebody is always going to win the side of a deal. There's never a win win situation. It ne- always somebody always comes out on top. So you have to create it as 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 if it were a win win as close as to possible. You have to give something. Uh, in the relationship to get something back. It doesn't always have to be equal. It never usually is. But, you know, that that's the best way to do it. Is If you can get in front of them, though, most of the time, especially in the JV world, if you can get in front of them, most of the time it's pretty easy to get them to say yes.
0: Hmm, interesting. Okay. Now, that's a great piece of advice because I know there's a lot of people that are afraid to reach out, so.
1: Well, they're, but yeah, because they're not because they're not reaching out the right way and they're not getting responses. If somebody sends me an email for a JV thing, I'm not going to respond. I'm probably never going to read it. Right. And also if they call me on Skype, I'm not going to answer because I don't know who they are, but if they send me a message on Facebook, you're going to get my attention. Uh
0: I wonder who does that. That's how I get hold of you.
1: Isn't that a perfect example? And I wasn't even thinking that I was thinking about somebody else who sent me a message the other day that I mailed for their launch yesterday. But yeah, that's a perfect example. You sent me a message on Facebook talking about this podcast. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, man, whatever." Love doing interviews.
0: Yeah, and I just kind of introduced. I connected with you, asked to to connect with a friendship, and nope. told you, you know, obviously, I I really did buy your products, and I really do like them. So when I said that, I was being honest. But uh, I mean, you got right back to me, and shoot, I sent you the link, and you scheduled the appointment right away. So yep. I mean, it was just it was
1: awesome. And, yeah. and you know, you have to do it. You have to. Do a little research. Research is probably the wrong word. That's just me, right? Someone else, it could be, if you message them on Facebook, then they're not going to respond. And if you message them on Skype, they will. So you kind of have to see what works for that particular person. For me, it just happens to be Facebook because I like the fact that I can click on somebody's picture. I didn't do this to you, but I do this to some people. I like the fact that I can click on somebody's picture and I can see who they are in five seconds.
0: Right, you can scroll through and see: Do they have other friends? Is it? Did they just set the account up? You know, you can get a little. Right. Of,
1: because I mean, as you know, time. and I'm sure a lot of people listen know, we get messages from people who created their account yesterday, and they're selling us the forex stuff and everything. And I don't want to talk to those people. Oh, yeah. You know, so I like the fact so that they, I could uh, see yeah. the person right away the second they write me a message. Yep, I agree. And also, by the way, too, one, one more thing about the JV thing: that's also the benefit in the internet marketing space of the telephone. If you call somebody to do a JV relationship with them, you instantly separate yourself from everybody else.
0: Oh, absolutely. On the
1: telephone I'm talking about. Not on Skype, not on Facebook. If you call someone on the telephone, no, is- instantly separate yourself from everybody else.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, people don't even talk on the telephone to their family or friends even. <laughs> it's always a text or something. So you yeah. totally set, your, set yourself apart from everybody. Yep.
1: And that's step number one. You got to get in front of them, right? And the only way to get in front and of them is separate yourself.
0: Now, what's one of your biggest regrets that you had, business wise, and what did you learn from it?
1: Well, I mean, I I was in the stock business in Long Island. I mean, I have a lot of regrets. Or, what's that? No,
0: just name something that that, that was big, and that you kind of you you've learned a lesson from, it and it's helped you.
1: Oh, I what had a really good one. Today? This ruined my life for like three years. Not really, oh, but it, it was it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was rough. I had to do a lot of like crazy stuff to get around it. Yeah, this will be a good example. I listened to uh, I listened to terrible advice for most people, which is don't worry about it, just go do it and figure it out later. Just take action, take action, take action. I listened to that advice, which is terrible advice, and I got a product called Guru Assassin from a guy named Johnny Andrews, who was an awesome guy. He didn't give me that advice; somebody else did. Great guy, great product, great training and I literally followed his advice on a Wso word for word and I launched a product teach people what I know which is generating leads from the internet which is what I was teaching car salespeople at the time from Craigslist sold like seventeen thousand dollars in five days first product they ever did first product they ever created copy wrote written in an hour but I didn't understand how the payments worked. So what was happening was I was still working at uh, my – I was building my consulting business at the time, and I was traveling around doing car – training car salespeople and everything, and I was getting refund requests and support issues and stuff. So I sent a video out. I put it on the thread of the WSO, and I was like, listen, I can't answer all your support questions, so here's what I want you to do. If you have a support question, email me here. If you have a refund request, don't email me. Just dispute it in PayPal, and I'll handle them all at one time when I get home. PayPal account (laughs) was shut down in like two days. Yeah. Blacklisted from the site. They had my name, address, social security number. Couldn't. So I spent, to be honest with you, the only reason why I do what I do now with partners all the time is because I have no way to take payments through that processor, through Warrior Plus, without having run it, running it through someone else's PayPal account. Oh, wow. If I didn't have that issue, I'm giving away half of my money because of that one mistake that I made. Because, listen, I, I, I don't want to talk bad. Cameron's a great friend of mine, and Lee is a great well, – But all the people that I work with, I'm friends with everyone that I work with. And I hate to brag, which usually sets me up for a bragging moment. But I think it kind of it shows who's who when you get on the sales page, when you get in the back of the training. I mean, especially the offline stuff. The online stuff, I don't really know that well. But the offline stuff, there's a separation. And uh, I don't need anybody to do that with me but I can't take payments unless I do it with somebody else. Wow. So yeah, that was a mistake That's... that I made and that was a regret that I have because I should have not listened to the advice of just take action, take action, take action, figure it out later because that caused a big problem. And I literally lost millions yeah. of dollars because of that. Huge. <sighs> Cause I've been giving half Huge my money most... away for the last nine years.
0: Right. Oh man. What are you currently doing now that scares you and is making you stretch?
1: Uh, I'm taking a corporate training program that I had for years, um, training salespeople, but I sold it to businesses and I, it was basically like a licensing thing, I would come in and set it up the first time and then they would use it to train all their people. I'm currently in the process of taking that and I want to try to sell it to individual salespeople as opposed to selling it to companies. And that's different because I never really did that before. So.
0: Great. And that's something you're currently working on right now. Yeah.
1: And that's a business thing. I mean, personal life, I got stuff that right. scares me all the time.
0: No, no, I'm no. I'm raising a nine-year-old. That's yeah, enough. Yeah, I raised three boys, man. My youngest is 19. He'll be 20 next month.
1: Is it true that boys are easier, though? I mean, I'm done. I'm not having any. If I have any I, more kids, I'm moving to Africa and changing my name. It ain't happening.
0: Yeah, I i absolutely think so. I have one my nine-year-old girl. Which is
1: good, so that's it. But, yeah, I mean, that's... Running a business and parenting and all that stuff, it's challenging.
0: It is. It is. It's huge. Now, I saw a couple videos that you did where you were reading books. I don't know. Are you big on reading at all, Kenny? Or?
1: Um, big on it? No, not really. I am mean, okay. I can read.
0: I was just wondering if you had a couple books. Well, leaving from something that you read a while back, because I saw the video and I know the two books there. Crush It was what probably were, uh, one of
1: them, because that's the only book I ever paid up in a video, I think.
0: You did crushing it, and you did uh, the four hour work week. Did I really? In a, yeah, I think I saw that it was in, in, in a video there. But it's funny because I bought crushing it just uh, the other day because you recommended it because I've seen it before and I thought, is this really worth getting or not? And then I saw your video and what you how you rated it had about to be a long time ago. It was. It, I walked it,
1: away from that whole deal a long time. I, 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 yeah, that's it's a good book. I'm not gonna lie, it's a good book. It's not even on my mind if you're asking me what books I recommend people read, though.
0: No, I I want to find out what are what are one, two,
1: the the three the, books. The one something? that I would start off with, if you're a business yes. person and you're in the spot where you're trying stuff. I mean, is that like most of your audience, like they're trying stuff and they're not like kind of catching on?
0: Right. There, there are people that are, are are you know they're trying to do it part time or they're still struggling to make the connection of you know. Right. Getting, uh, the, the number one. The the, so, there's yeah, there's
1: two books that I w- there's two books that I would recommend. The first one, okay. and they're not going to be anything that's on the, anyone else's list. The first one's Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell, and the second one is Extreme Ownership by uh, Jocko Winnick.
0: Oh yes, Jocko. Two, okay. Two that, Navy I Seals. saw that book. Okay. Okay.
1: the The Extreme Ownership is going to teach you to take with personal responsibility for your issues. Stop blaming the product. Stop blaming the process. Stop blaming the salesman. Stop blaming the vendor. You're the problem. That book's going to teach you that. Um, Lone Survivor is going to teach you what a bad day is really like, and it's going to give you perspective. Because when you're stuck on a mountain in in Afghanistan, after you watch four of your friends die with bullet holes all over you and no clothes on and Taliban surrounding you, that's a crappy day. Yeah, definitely. And it it, it did. It, I mean, yeah. it was a good book because it was action. It was fun. It, you know, whatever. But it, really, that's what I got out of it. Like, I think my days are rough because I got to answer support. This dude was crawling around a mountain, surrounded by people that wanted to kill him for four days. No water, no food. Yeah, that's, nothing.
0: That that's intense. I love in one of your your interviews that I saw that uh, you were talking about whenever you get frustrated or or something like that, you like to take a drive on the what was it on the bridge or something or, or one of the freeways by you? Oh yeah. Like I do it. Rush all time. hour.
1: Yes. I do it all yeah, the time. They- I do it more often now because I actually drive my daughter to my daughter's in school now. So I'd have to drive her every morning not every morning, but three days a week. Um, but yeah, if I ever am having a really bad day, what I do is I go out on the long Island expressway, which is a major highway here on Long Island. And I go out at five o'clock and I look at all the people in the cars and, I'm, and I just say to myself, these people are driving to a place they hate, or they're driving home from a place they hate, probably to a family that hates them. And, and I just go through that whole thing. And it just, again, it, it gives me perspective. My day is not as bad as I think it is. And yours probably isn't either, the audience. Right? I, I think that people tend to make things worse than they are, and they tend to make things better than they are. And I also know this for a fact, that people love to take credit for the good, but they run from the bad. And that's a big yep, problem. I agree. That's a big problem. I said before that I always think that all my sales videos and webinars are going to fail. When they do, and it, it, they do sometimes when they do, I am the first one to say, "My, that's, that's my fault. Like the sales are not coming in. If conversion numbers are not there, that's my deal. Right. But I'm also the first one to say responsibility. when it hits 20%, you're looking at the guy that did it.
0: That's huge what you just said there. You're taking responsibility for the good and the bad. Whatever happens, whatever the outcome, it's it's you. Right. There's no one, no one else to point the finger to.
1: Right. You, you can't blame your boss or, or you can't go to a job interview and say, oh, the boss is a jerk because he didn't hire me. And then go to the next job interview and get hired and say, I'm the best interviewer ever. That's being a hypocrite. Right. Right. Either you got to take personal responsibility for both sides of it or you take personal responsibility. You don't take any. And then you're just blowing in the wind. Definitely.
0: Now, I want to switch some gears here real quick uh, on here, Kenny. Let's go a little bit on the marketing side. I know we kind of dabbled some on it with sales and stuff like that, but a lot of, not a lot, but there's, there's listeners out there that aren't doing the offline or something, and they want us to do more of the online type. They're trying to get whether supplemental income or they're trying to go full-time on there. And a lot of people struggle. There's all the shiny uh, object syndrome, um, a lot of crappy products that we talked about that are out there. What would you tell them is the best way to start if they're trying to start to do something online to generate an income?
1: What I suggest they do, this is going to sound really strange, but what I suggest they do is I suggest they go to whatever marketplace they buy from. It could be ClickBank, JVZoo, Warrior Plus, whatever. Find a a product, actually, you know what, I'm going to say, stay away from warrior. Plus go to JVZoo or Clickbank, find a product on there. That's converting really well from a vendor who has history of converting like crazy on that, in that marketplace. Then what I suggest you do is you buy every single thing from one of their products and you record the entire process. Then you delete the products from your computer and you never open them because they're all garbage. Then you copy the sales process that that person just put you through and you implement it on something that you can provide value with. Love it. And the only well, reason why Weber I'm telling you to dream. stay away from Warrior Plus is because I would be the guy that you would copy. <laughs> and I don't want to seem like <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to push you into one of my things. Cause I'm going to tell you. I want you to buy. I'm not telling you to buy it because I need the money or somebody else. I'm telling you to do it so you can cop. Russell Brunson teaches this too. It's called funnel hacking. You, you take the process and you just duplicate the process. And it's important to realize that you don't do that for, if somebody has a history of one product that did really well, don't do it. Cause it just, they could have got lucky. But if they did it seven, eight, nine, ten times in the past and they're killing it every time, they know something that you don't know. They're doing something that you're not doing. So record it camtasia screenflow whatever record it and then just duplicate that with something that you can provide value with now as far as traffic goes we talked a little bit about that with um with the JV thing we talked a little bit about it with facebook but we didn't really get into that too much if you have a higher ticket thing low ticket stuff is not worth doing unless you have a super awesome system that's like unbreakable if you have a higher ticket thing i don't really see the point of doing it online so if it's a high-ticket thing, I don't really – there's two things that can happen. Either you take it offline, and you, and you do it that way, and you drive offline traffic to an internet funnel, right? Or you pay for the traffic knowing that the high-end thing is going to convert at a certain number. So you have to assume that you're going to convert better than 1%. So if it converts and works and ROIs positively at 1%, I would pay for the traffic and run it. Now, I'm in a different financial situation than a lot of people, so I could afford to do that. if you can't afford to do that, then I suggest you go offline for your first couple sales and then reinvest that money into paid stuff. paid traffic is the best way to go. JV partners are a ripoff. paid traffic is, are the best ways is the best way to go.
0: Now when you say go offline, is it to, to sell like a service or something well, or, I, or just yeah, just me
1: if you give me an example I could walk through it with you but yeah that that I would start offline. And I would drive it to an internet funnel. That's what I would do.
0: Oh, you're saying you would get your traffic offline and drive it online?
1: I'm talking about like if I had no money and I'd start from scratch. The first thing that I would do is I would use whatever money I have to get a funnel that I know works. Which is what I outlined before when I said you go to a a marketplace and you buy something and you record the process. Then you delete all the stuff that they gave you because it's garbage. You just copy the funnel itself. If I had no money to buy traffic and I had no people that I could come to for JV relationships and I had no list, the first thing that I would do is let's say it's an SEO product for $47. I would go and I would pitch that as if I was pitching a $2,000 service, but I would lead them through an internet funnel, but I I I would use offline tactics to get them there. Oh, okay. So I would cold call people saying, hey, we have a free book that we're giving out that teaches you how to generate more leads for your business. Go to this website and download it. And I would lead them through the funnel offline manually because I have no money to start. I have no list. I have no connections. I have to hustle to get it done. Right. Love so it. You, 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 See, you, listen, you either have to work for it or pay for it. <laughs> exactly. so there's no other way around it. Either you're working for it or you're paying for it. And in the beginning, everyone's working for it.
0: Right. Cause you got more time than you got money. So you're definitely now as far as sales letters, Kenny, when, uh, you're pretty good. I know and you, you write stuff, it converts. It's great. Um, if somebody's writing their own and they don't can't afford to do a copywriter, we're talking about money here again. Um, and they're writing it. What are one or two things they should focus on that really, cause it, there's so many things in a sales letter, but there's only a few key things. For example, like the headlines, bullet points, Offers guarantees. What would you recommend if someone's going to do their own sales letter? What are the things that they should spend the most time on getting right in that sales letter? The offer and to the make headline. You convert? Okay.
1: The rest of the stuff is pretty much Just garbage. Not. And to be honest with you, I have no process for writing a sales letter at all. I really, can't you don't even have no a really template teach. or nothing? No, no, I have nothing. I really can't even teach how I do it. Um, because I just sit down, like a lot of people will say, create the offer first. I just sit down and I start with the headline. That makes the most sense to me. Like it's at the top, so I start with the headline and I literally just start writing. And that's it. And video sales letters is the same thing. I don't really have a template for it. I don't really, I, I don't depend on the slides to do the selling for me. I treat it as if I was calling somebody on the phone, basically. And I use, if you listen to the video that I just did, the 251, you'll see that it's, it's much more tonality and pace in the way that I'm saying things. Cause that, that could have been a terrible sales video if someone that couldn't present, did it, right? So it's much more about the presentation value of it. I think you need to have some entertainment, some humor in there as well. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the offer is the most important thing. Headline is the most important thing. The offer is the second and then the rest of it is just filler garbage.
0: You know, if you, I don't know. I think what did it for me in that uh, video was that little poop emoji. That's what really got
1: me. Yeah, and that was just something that I was like, hey, let me just give it a shot. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I put a I picture mean, of that's... me and Santa in there, caught in my hair. Like, it was just yeah. so weird. Like, I just throw stuff in. Like, I don't. there's no rhyme or reason to it, really.
0: I like the TED Talk example.
1: The TED Talk was another one. I read that on Cora. Someone was making fun of a guy for saying he did a TED Talk, and he kind of laid that out, so I stole that from somebody else. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's no, just that's, the kind of stuff. Like, I do whatever. I, I think us versus them is huge. I think that's a really good way to sell stuff. I use it a lot. I've used it my whole life pretty much. You know, in everything that I sold, a, I use that.
0: What about now in email marketing? Would you say just focus on the, uh, the uh, opening subject line or what would be the keys on a, when someone's doing email? Email marketing is now?
1: very similar to a telephone call. It's almost exactly the same. Believe it or not, it's weird how close it is. Uh, you have to focus on the main goal of every single line. So oh, really, okay. yeah. So the main goal, like when I write a phone pitch, it my phone pitches are all template based. They're all the same, pretty much. But when you open up a phone pitch, the main thing is don't get hang, don't get hung up on. Right? right. The first thing you need to do on an email is get it, get them to open it. It's it's no different, really. You're getting through a gatekeeper. You're getting them to open it. So after that happens, first of all, what's the goal of the email? Is it to get them to click a link? Is it to get them to reply? Is it to get them to fill out a survey or opt into something? What's the goal of the email? What's the goal of the call? Same thing. Never switch once you commit. So once you commit to a singular goal of something, never switch it in the middle. That's death for a salesperson. So never do that. And then after that, the only goal is to keep them in the process. That's it. Same thing with the phone. Same thing with the email. And it's probably the same thing too, for, um, for a sales letter too, but I haven't gotten it down to a science like that yet. With email and the telephone, I have.
0: Yeah, but I think what you're doing is you're throwing in uh, in your sales letter just basically subconsciously what you're doing on the phone. You know, it flows. Right.
1: Uh, no, I, no I, I definitely am. But what I'm saying, when I write a sales letter, when I write an email, there is purpose behind every single thing that I do. Nothing is done by accident. Same thing with the webinar. Okay. When I write a sales letter, I sit down and I write like I'm writing a journal entry or something.
0: Interesting. I don't even look it over.
1: I don't reread it. I don't do anything. No, really? No, I don't do any of that. I write it like the spelling is off, send it off to a graphic designer, have them put the page together, and I shoot the video.
0: Love it. So simple. That's one of the things I like is your products you really break it down to simple there's none of this super flashy stuff um, you know people are so worried about the funnels and how intricate and all these crazy things and these fancy pages and it's experience for me i don't yeah i don't think that that matters though it's the message and the way you deliver don't you think's think, more important than the flash yeah
1: content? it definitely is i think that people worry about that though because they don't they haven't experienced some of the things that i've experienced in the marketplace. Yeah. I think that's really why. I know you talked
0: before and I, I think I heard it. I forget where I heard it from you on there, Kenny, but what are best times to send emails to your list? Isn't there certain times that you should and shouldn't be emailing your no. list? Or, mm-hmm. No, it depends. As far as, I mean, times a day, not, not like often.
1: No, no, no? no because I can give you, but listen, if you have a list of lawyers and you email them at 11 o'clock in the morning, they're all going to be in court. If you have a list of internet marketers and they're all, if you email them at 11 in the morning, they're probably launching products or getting ready. That's the launch time, right? So if you have a list of JV partners, don't email them at 11 in the morning, email them at 11 at night. If you have lawyers, I work with a lot of lawyers. If you have lawyers, you should know your audience and you should know that lawyers generally go to lunch from, they go to court from nine to 11. They go to lunch from like 12 to four. Then they go back to their office and they take consultations until seven or eight at night. You should also know that the secretary goes home at 5, so if you're going to call them, the best time to call them is around 6, because that's before the consultation started and after the secretary goes away. So if you're going to email them, you should email them at the same time. There's no set time. It depends on the audience.
0: Right. And especially with online, there's really none, because you're, you're tapping people from all over the world, basically, if you're getting a right. list. And it,
1: again, it depends. It depen- If you're trying to reach PTA moms, don't email them at 5. They're cooking dinner. They're 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 doing homework. They're do- email them at noon. If you're trying to get an accountant, don't email them at noon. That's a terrible time to email them. So it depends on the audience. The number one thing in selling is you got to know your audience.
0: Yep, that's so key. It's it's mentioned, and I I think people say, yeah, yeah, I understand that. But you, I think you're just stressing right now how
1: important that is. Right. You have you have to know your audience, and you have to know them because- like. You have to be like a stalker. It's like I get creepy sometimes like it's gotta be like weird if if you if you're researching an audience and you if 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 it doesn't come across your head like I might be doing something wrong right now, if you didn't get to that level, you're not deep enough <laughs> you have to know that like I, I spy on like you have to know you have to know them intimately.
0: I think it was Dan Kennedy that said that uh. You know, he would be marketing to different groups and stuff. And one of them, I think, were like doctors or dentists and stuff. And he got so good that people actually thought he was a doctor or a dentist because right. he knew that audience so well. The terminology, the language, like you said, their schedules, everything. He knew it so well that they thought he was a doctor. Training right.
1: Them. You got to know that stuff. And, and, you know, the easiest way to do it is, first of all, to just screw it up a whole bunch of times. That's the easiest way to do it. And the second easiest way to do it is to ask them. See, I usually do it just by screwing it up most of the time. You know, I call a lawyer at nine in the morning. They're not there. I call them at 10. They're not there. I call them at 11. They're at lunch, keep calling them every hour until I find them. And then finally I develop a pattern and I know when they're there. That's, and one other thing too, I mentioned something before about um, something about copywriting, I think. And I just wanted to clear it up quickly. I said something about them. One of the things about the flashiness of a sales letter, they don't know because they, they haven't experienced what I've experienced in the marketplace. I just want to explain that really quickly. So your audience understands what I mean by that is I've launched products. And this previous one that I just did was an example of this, where a lot of times copy, when you write copy, it's you're stealing people's stuff and making it fit your own thing. Dan Kennedy wouldn't say that he'd say it's, you know, with swipe file, whatever you're stealing people's stuff and you're making it your own. That's what you're doing. That's what it is. So we do that a lot, right? So I took the template from another launch that was really successful and that's where I kind of started off. Okay, so I'm at a fishing seminar Thursday night. We launched the product on Tuesday. Uh, Sorry, we launched the product on Wednesday. I was at a fishing seminar Thursday night. I get a call from Shane Nathan, who's the, I guess the president of Warrior Plus. He runs Warrior Plus. I don't know what his title is. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're a WSO today, obviously. And he's like, "Uh, but we have a problem with your sales page. I'm like, what is it? He's like, well, The whole thing is great, but the last three paragraphs are from another launch that launched two months ago. I forgot to take out the other guy's copy on the bottom of the sales page, and we've already done 1,000 sales, and nobody said a word. Oh, man. Crazy. And that's happened many times. I've had webinars where I had a template from – I was selling an offline thing, and I went to an online thing. And I cr- used the template for the offline thing, and I just switched it around. And I left a slide in that says, you're going to get my cold calling script. You're going to get my – and it's a it's a list building thing. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're not going to get any of that stuff. That was just a mistake. I screwed that up, and we'll just move on.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that just kind of proves right there that people – that part of the letter is it, – it's not going to make it make or break the sale. I don't even think people read it. Basically. That's what I'm saying. They don't get to that point, so most of them probably don't read it. If they do, they gloss over it. Yep. And that's why I like what you said on there with the uh, with the headline and the offer. If you focus on those things, the stuff in the middle doesn't have to be. Better. Yeah, I do
1: think video is really important. You have to have a strong video sales letter.
0: You think better. You think everybody should focus more on that than the written letter.
1: Most of my products are just video. Most of them is just it's just a VSL with a button. Most of them. Yep. Um, the one we just did is a, is a, and we're actually, I'm, I'm going to do a little experiment. I got to convince Cameron to do it, but basically what I want to do is I want to do a video sales letter with a good headline and a buy button. And I want to write like two paragraphs, a copy. And then I just want to take like, you know, like the stock text that they used to build websites with. I want to take that and put it yeah. through the rest of the page. And then the last two paragraphs I'm going to write and then just put a buy button at the end. And I want to see if people say anything about it. Cause I, I don't think most people will. Yeah, no. I don't think they even look at it.
0: I'd love it. That'd be so cool. It'd be interesting to see
1: how it would differ in conversion rates because I honestly, if you throw a couple pictures in there, I don't think people will even look at it.
0: That would be so cool to see because it's so true, you know, that there's a a minute people that read every single thing on there and most of them, they've already had their decision made.
1: Well, if the person reads every line in your sales letter, he's going to refund.
0: Yeah. Like you went back to it. It's going to be a troublemaker. Yeah.
1: They're definitely going to refund because they will find something in your sales letter. And they will say, okay, in you know line 370, you said this, and in video six at five minutes and 34 seconds, you said the exact opposite. It's like whatever, dude. Like I don't know what to tell you. You know, (laughs) you're right. Whatever.
0: Are you uh, big on using social media for any of your marketing? I
1: don't do it. Oh well, paid ads, yes. Paid ads. Yeah, paid ads.
0: What what are So if someone's going to be doing it, what would you say? What were the platforms that they should focus if someone's got some money to spend? Obviously, Facebook, right? Yeah, that's the only one
1: that I know how to use.
0: The only one? Yeah, that's the only one. You never did anything with Instagram or anything?
1: Uh, You know, we do Instagram, but I think it's just done through Facebook. I think it's connected together. So I think if we choose to use Instagram with our Facebook ads, we can. To be honest with you, I'm, I am I know that I own a Facebook ad agency. I don't run – I don't run any of the ads at all. All I do is sell it because, again, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm a salesman, so it is what it is. Um, but I do run a lot of my own Facebook ads to, like, webinars and stuff. I don't use Instagram for that. But that's the only platform that I use because I kind of know it a little bit, and the targeting should be, in my opinion, illegal because you can pretty much do whatever you want find out anything about somebody. So that's something that I like, but um, – yeah, that would be the platform that, that I use. As far as like other kind of like social media, like growing a platform and stuff, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Yeah, because I I, it's, I don't even believe so in this, to be honest with you. And I know that's very controversial. Re- no, really? It's garbage. Flat out lie.
0: So what? expand on that. That, that, that. that intrigues me. I need to hear this.
1: Well, just do the numbers. Get a 20% open rate. You get a thousand people on an email list, right? right? 20% open rates, 200 people. You get a 10% click through rate. That's 20 people. What's your conversion rate on an average sales letter? 3%. You're not even making a sale. You have a thousand people on a list. You know how hard it is to build for the newbie to build a thousand person email list. It's almost impossible. Especially if they have no money. So if you just, the problem is that most people don't even, they don't do the math, right? 20% open rates, 200 people. 10% click-through rate, 20 people, 3% conversion rate, you're not making a sale. If you just work the numbers, it don't work. And I also know people, Mike is one of them, who had millions of people on an email list, and it's all garbage. It's worthless. And a lot of people were sold the whole thing. Oh, you're building an asset. It's going to be the biggest, strongest thing in a business. It's just not true because it gets burnt out very, very quickly. And the other thing, too, is that I can show you better numbers by cold calling people than I can in an email list, and your cold calling list is already built. Wow. 20% open rate, I can get through 20% of secretaries easily. That's not a problem. I can get 20% of the people I dial on the phone. That's not a problem. 10% click-through rate, I'm going to get more than 10% of my pitches off, and I'm going to close way more than 30 people. Uh, 3% of the people that I talk to. So the numbers are better. Your time is better spent on the telephone, and the and the list is already built for you. You don't have to worry about people opting in, and you don't have to worry about giving something away, and you don't have to worry about building it.
0: Right. And you think somebody could easily, with some training and some time, get up to your status? Not even training and in time, it would take an decent? hour. Really?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like not – I've taken people off of a Walmart register and had them – Closing. I'm talking about a point, filling a pipeline, right? I've had them putting appointments on the books in 45 minutes. My pitch is like 40 now is seconds. This,
0: now is this going back? Cause I, I want to talk about this, Kenny, yeah. you have uh here your results based selling system. Is this based? Is this anything based on this?
1: That, that, that you're well, offering? Uh, I, I, what, what I was just mentioning was booking appointments, but, Yes. That's a process that I've been selling for years, but I've been selling it to corporate clients. And now I'm trying, I'm in the process of transitioning to selling that to individual salespeople. So it's going to be a little bit different, but basically the same thing. So okay. the results based process basically is, this is how it works. You book an appointment, you cold prospect, you book an appointment. This is a very specific pitch to do that. Okay. The next thing you do at the appointment is you sell a high ticket thing, and you close a low ticket thing. Confusing, but we can answer the questions on that if you want. After that, you provide like crazy and prove like crazy, and then you flip them over. Then you provide again and preserve the deal.
0: Hmm. Okay. So give an example what you would be going in with a, a high ticket. And yep. I'll, I'll, give you, or... I'll
1: give you the example that we run at Leiboo right now. We book appointments, cold, cold calling people. We ask him three questions. Uh, how long are you, you're advertising on the internet right now? Right? Yes. Okay. How's that going for you? Tell me a little bit about it. it Socks. It's great. Whatever. The last question we ask is, let me ask you this. If I was able to show you a way where you can get 20 to 30 new leads per month without having to spend a dime more on advertising, you'd at least listen to me. Right? Yes. Okay, great. Then we book the appointment. Okay. Then we send them propaganda. It's a sequence of emails, text messages, voicemails, videos that we send them out. We show up to the appointment. Now there's the difference between selling and closing two different things. Okay. We sell a $1,500 a month product, a service. It's, it's our Facebook ad management process, uh, service that we have. Ad spend is included in the 1500 bucks, Okay. So we're selling that the entire time. This is a very important lesson for the people to understand. We're selling that the whole time. Okay. I'm saying the price of the product, price of service, 1500 bucks. No, it's too much money. I rebut on 1500 Rebut, 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 four or five times. I get all the way down to the end. And then I say, you know what, listen, my goal here is just to prove myself, whether you start off at 1500 or whatever, the percentages are going to be the same. You're going to be able to see a result. I just want to get you a result to prove to you that I can do what I'm telling you I could do. So how about we do this? How about you pay for ad spend for 10 days? It's 50 bucks. Okay. It's, it's nothing. It's $50. It's not a big deal. And that will give us the opportunity to show you that what we do is real. The whole goal of that call is to close the $50 thing. It has, no, if they say yes to 1500, we hang up. We don't even take the deal. They have to get, really? yeah, we don't take it. They have to get the $50 trial first. But the thing is though, is that what most people do is they go into that call and they try to sell the $50 thing. Close on the 1500, default back to the 50. Key, You have. they got to get that. Okay. Then once they're on 50 bucks, one of two things are going to happen. Either we're going to take that $50 10 day trial and we're going to turn it into a thousand dollars. And if we do that, it's a closed deal. I don't even have to call the guy. Or it's going to be $50. I'm going to turn it into a hundred and I'm not going to call him either because he's not going to say yes. Just that simple. And then once you get to a thousand dollars, if we could do it on 50, we're going to be able to do it over the course of 30 days. It's not a big deal. And then we just keep the same ad over and over and over again. And then we do it only for group-based businesses, by the way, we do the same ad over and over and over again. They pay us 150 bucks for ad spend and 1,400 or $1,350 for our fee which is basically nothing. We don't really do anything because we create the ad once and just keep it running. And uh, that's it.
0: I love it. It's a great process. It sounds... Like you said, it's a short... What, it's a one-page... Uh, My
1: appointment script is 40. maybe 10 lines. And it's not a weak appointment either. Now People how hear do... that and they like, oh, appointment. It's not. I mean, we qualify them the whole time. Right.
0: And how does someone go? What where Where can they go to to get more information on this? Well, I
1: I set up a page just for your audience that they can get my appointment script with a video of me going through it. So that's kennycannon.com slash mm. You just go there and and, and I'll give you the video and the appointment script. You, You can't just take a piece of paper and just run with it. You have to listen to somebody say it. So the video is like mandatory. Believe me, I don't want to sit here and read a bit, you know, appointment script on a video for people, but you have to listen to it being said or else you're never going to be able to do it. And I don't want people just getting my paper and saying, oh, this doesn't work because you're saying it wrong. If you hear me say it over and over and over again, you'll be able to master the tonality and pace of the pitch, which is more important than the actual words. And if you look at the process that I take people through with results-based selling, and it's really just a fancy, it's just how you sell stuff. I mean, let's just be real. Uh, I made the name up, but it's really just how you sell stuff. If you look at a car dealership, it's done the same way. you do a test drive. If they, if they're wowed by the test drive, they're going to come in and discuss numbers. And if you could put a numbers package together for them, that works for them, they're going to buy it from you. It's no different. You know, if you come in and you do in your painter, or you do an estimate and you do a great job of that, then you're going to probably get the deal. My consulting clients don't work that way, but. It's basically the same process. Everybody wants a little taste before they jump into the whole meal chick-fil-A was built that way they walked around the mall with chicken people liked the chicken they went yeah. in and bought sandwiches so it's 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 you know that's
0: huge I appreciate you giving that I mean everybody needs to to check that out like I said you need to follow uh, Kenny what he's doing um, listen to his webinars listen to his sales letters see what he's doing like I said I've bought his products they're great they're to the point, they work, there's really no fluff in there, and he knows what he's doing. So take him up on this offer. We'll have the link in the show notes. Go there. And one of the huge things, I mean, Kenny could have just said, all right, here's a script, guys, and given that away. But he took the time to do a video, which is huge, because as you've seen through this call here and this interview, that the way you say things, the inflection, it's so important. You can't just read it like a robot and Kenny is a master at this, and he's going to show you how to do it. So no matter what, everything we do is selling. We've talked about that through this interview here. We're always selling, whether it's our ideas, um, someone on a book to go to a movie, um, to help our family improve their health. Whatever it is, we're always doing selling. So this is a skill that is huge, whether you're doing it for your online business, your offline business, or just in life. So take them up on that. Kenny, where else can... Our listeners get in touch with you. What's the best way to reach out to
1: you? I'm on Facebook, you find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, most of that stuff is just family stuff or like just completely stupid stuff, like fishing and my Jeep and driving over people's lawns and stuff. But I, I don't do business on the internet. I'm not an internet guy. So you know, right. if you want to find me on Facebook, that's cool. I'll I'll fr- I accept everybody pretty much, and then I just filter out as they become jerks, which is rare, but some people do. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how I that's kind of how I do it. I'm I'm a very traditional old school guy. I don't like the internet. I think it's dumb. I think it's a waste of time for the most part. And uh, But yeah, Facebook, Twitter. I love Quora because I love helping like answer questions and stuff. That's kind of fun. Yeah,
0: that's a good one too there. Definitely. All right, what's the closing advice you want to leave to the mindset listeners here? What would you say to them that you want to get across? Stop message? buying
1: and start selling stuff. There you go. And, 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 Drop and focus on building your pipeline. If you don't have people, the number one reason why businesses fail is because they don't have enough people to sell to. That's every business in the world. It doesn't matter what you do. Yep, one more thing. One more hey. thing. Sorry. One more thing. If you are somebody who has customers already, if you have clients in your business, whatever it is that you sell, and you are a person who worries about those people, meaning… Holy crap, I got to do this SEO call this week or, oh, I don't want this guy to call me or whatever. The, uh, I promise you, the only reason why you're worried about that call is because you don't have somebody to take their place if they leave. Fill a pipeline. If you fill a pipeline, everyone can leave because you have others that will take their place. I never worry about losing a client because I have 10 more that will close the second I talk to them if one of them leaves.
0: So important. It gets rid of all your stress in
1: business. All of it. Yep.
0: Couldn't have said it better. I love it. To the point. And guys, listen to that. Keep the pipeline filled. Whatever you do, that's the key to keep on going and being successful in business. Kenny, hey, I appreciate you taking the time, bud. This has been great. You shared a lot of great information. Guys, go through this. If you didn't take notes while you were listening to this, go back and re-listen to this. Because Kenny shared some great stuff that you're not gonna hear anywhere else. You're gonna hear a lot of fluff on a lot of these calls and interviews and stuff. And Kenny doesn't do that. He bucks the system. He tells it like it is. He's talking from experience, and he shares some great information that if you apply, it's gonna make a difference in your business. So listen to what he's doing. Follow him, and guys, you will get results. Kenny, thanks, thanks again, man. It was bud. A lot of appreciate fun. your time. Guys, until next time, wish you guys a brilliant life. Take care.